This is Matt Seebeck with St. Louis City SC, and you're listening to Show Up, Make Noise on the Luligan Podcast Network. We can we can have our first official. Yeah, no, no, we want we want your opinion. What should the STL uh, City fan section look like in 2023 from totally unbiased fans that have absolutely no say in the process? Um, so I'm answering right into here. Yeah. What do I think it should look like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to be colorful. It's going to be loud. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, organized. We've got time to get organized, which is rare, you know. Now, who's going to be organizing that? I, I think I think this group right here is going to be organizing it. <laughs> I, I didn't bring something that would keep power running if I didn't leave my car on, Matt. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of planning that we have. <laughs> so I just want you to know that's the type of people you're working with. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we you know we talked last week, Zach. Like the amount of orchestration and choreograph that goes into it is immense. So I think this is where time is uh, at our advantage. You know. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with you. We're, we're always silly, but no, I, I totally agree. I think it, it is something that we need to start now because I don't think anybody really realizes how long it takes to get a bunch of people moving in the yeah, same direction. That's right. That's right. That is literally your job, though. So you understand. Yeah, that. I You've do. You've got all the data to back it up. I do. But we, we, we need your help. We need your help involved, you know, now to help us figure it out because there's a lot of details. There are a lot of details. Uh, you got any uh, podcast exclusives? Don't worry. It won't come out for five weeks. oh man an exclusive i don't think so i mean we you know we've got a lot of stuff we're working on right now we've got uh we're gonna do some fun stuff with uh food around town in the in the next couple months you know stadium's gonna be a big deal for us have you released the name of the guy that was out at your thing i'm sure somebody got a photo of him but uh the the chef that was out at your thing last Mm -hmm. time yeah gerard Kraft. okay cool i didn't i didn't know if that was public knowledge i I was trying to be a little coy on it yeah no he's been a a big help to the club you know he's a guy that knows st louis really well uh big supporter of locally owned businesses and restaurants and um yeah i mean he's, he's given us good input along the way as we help you know, raised up a lot of the small businesses around the region. Yeah, we were actually, Sam and I were talking about that there was only one person we regretted not talking to when we were at the thing, and it was Gerard Kraft. He, like, it was legitimately Oh, my God, that yeah, guy. you ever have recommendations for dinner, he will send you to the best hole in the walls across the city. The guy knows his food. Oh, I believe it. I yeah. absolutely believe it. But, yeah, that was, it was funny because we were talking about, you know, all the soccer things we wanted, and it was the one thing that we collectively were all like, yeah. shit, we should have talked to Gerard Kraft. <laughs> yeah. How often do you get a chance to be in the same room as Gerard Kraft and be like, hey, I, I could talk to you about things. Yeah. Let's talk about Food Network. Let's do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, man, that's that's super cool. But I think that's a fun partnership. Food's sure. a part of game day, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, why we have a whole trailer, and yeah. uh, you know, guys that literally spend hours and hours. And again, how you organize getting those people together and having people yeah. show up and make food and and do all those types of things. Yeah. But I, I, you know, uh, supporter culture. They know beer, but they also like it's a big foodie culture as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's pretty fun. Well, I mean, that's the best thing about going to Louisville or, you know, any of the places we went in the USL was going and, and going to all those really cool places yeah. and you find somewhere and you share it with the group. And then, you know, next time you try this other place. And yeah, right. it's it, for sure, man, just the, all those away day things. It just yeah. kind of it becomes part of your away day. Exactly. For sure, man. All right. Well, well hey, man, we appreciate you coming on and yeah. uh, sharing time. And yep. uh, yeah, absolutely. We Anytime we can get the, the great 
Matt Seebeck onto the <laughs> podcast. We're gonna we're gonna take our opportunity for sure. Uh, it won't I, be the last. I legitimately didn't think you were gonna come over and talk to us. So, come on, uh, knock. Yet yet again, I, you you continue to surprise me, Matt. I heard your booming voice from across the parking lot, and I, I was just drawn in, you know, you, like you a moth to the flame. You didn't see me bull charge somebody when I got here. I I scared <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> Saw a friend I haven't seen in like three years and got really excited and, and charged him. So yeah, you're lucky you weren't here for that. Well, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Show Up, Make Noise. My name is Zach. I'm Rick. And I am Sam. Cool. So we just heard from uh, Matt Seebeck, who is Chief Experience Officer. Chief Experience Officer for St. Louis City SC. CXO. I literally only know he's important because of his shirt. So uh, Sarah told me that the shirt was important, so that's all I pay attention to now. Um, but we just heard from him. Was he wearing that shirt that night? I think he, he was. was not. Are you, you sure? He was it, very casual. Was it a different impressive shirt? I mean, I don't think the man has unimpressive shirts. I think everything he does is impressive. Oh, mm. come on. Let's not be those people. Matt Baker already exists. We don't need to be those people. Love you, Matt. But come on. All right. So anyway, uh, so Matt talked about what he was hoping his game day experience looks like. How does that line up with what you guys think? Uh, it sounds about right. I mean, like it, it checks all the boxes. You know, we want to be a spectacle. We want to be an audio. We, we want to be the party at the park. Uh, and without using those exact words, I think he said all of those exact words. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, it was also, you know, he, he touched on a big piece of like, it's more than just the game. You know, people aren't coming down there for, you know, we'll call it 110 minutes of their time and then turning around and leaving. So, you know, putting the thought into the food and the plaza and, you know, if you're an away fan, there's a lot of cool shit in the city down there by that stadium that if you've never been to St. Louis or it's been a while since you've been here, like there's a lot of shit to do around there. And incorporating all of that into the game day experience, I think it is killer for, you know, the team, the image, the the area, the businesses, everything. Yeah, I totally agree. And that kind of ties into to one of the questions we got that we're going to touch into uh, a little bit later on um, and, and kind of what that is doing to that downtown area there. Um, or is it mid Midtown? Is that Midtown? I don't know. Anyway, but... Uh, Plazaville? Yeah, Who knows? Plazaville. Like Wrigleyville, but no, I Plazaville. Think I think it's down. It's downtown. All right. SLU is Midtown, and it's a little further east than SLU, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You would know better than either of us, I think. I took online classes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Matt talked a little bit about um, food and, you know, that that part of that game day experience. Food, beer. We talked beer last time. Um, I'm interested, though. Rick and I had an interesting conversation. Let's go a little bit behind the curtain. Uh, we were supposed to record on Tuesday. Today is Friday. Uh, we did not because uh, somebody couldn't make it um but <laughs> either way uh we were talking about the tailgate and when we were talking to Seebeck um at the the first fan council he was talking about how he assumed Schlafly was going to be our home base and I am the only person I think at the table at the time that was really hard questioning in my head how that was going to work um 
And then Rick and I had a conversation on Tuesday just looking at the aerial photos of Schlafly and, and that area and wondering, again, how all that's going to work. <laughs> because um, we take up a lot of room. Like, we, we spread out a bit. Well, that's the, the tap room, right, that's down there? Yeah, so, and yeah. there's a lot of room in that building, but there's not a lot of parking and, and things around that building. No, if it would be street parking. but Yeah, and so I was thinking, you know, we do our trailer and we do those types mm-hmm. of things. I don't feel like that's going to work there because we would take up so much of their parking lot. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure there are people who are much more important than me that have had these conversations with people that actually matter. Um but it was just an interesting conversation we were having about how the logistics of that work and if we're bringing drums down, you know, if we can't keep them there, what are we, when do we come down? Like, how early do you have to get there on a game day to make it so we can not have to carry the drums a mile and a half or, you know, drop them off and, and leave them so, so we can come back and get them later or whatever? Yeah, there was a lot of mystery on how much of our footprint we have at Soccer Park for the tailgate is going to exist versus how much footprint we can occupy in what really does not look like a big parking lot. Like, it maybe looks like half of a football field. And I feel like size. what, what uh, we had a town hall meeting or a, um, what's the other thing we do? The AGM? AGM. We had one of those at Schlafly. Were either one of you guys at that? I've never yeah. attended yeah, any yeah. of those. That okay. was uh, that was the first time that we raffled off autographed drum equipment. Okay, because that's where we had our big fundraiser. So that was like 2016, then it, like 2016 it, or 2017. It was a while. I mean, it's early, a pretty good yeah. sized room. It is, but I feel like we filled it then. We we did. Okay. Yeah. And I again, I'm not trying to be a naysayer or whatever. It was just one of those things that I thought about uh and it's a really good thought so there's the parking lot and i mean i'm sure there's some other auxiliary parking but the rest is street and those are buildings and it's not you know somewhere that a large number of people can just whip in and out of casually yeah and i i was just wondering how that's going to affect their you know normal day things or if they're going to have a normal day thing because it is you know game day or whatever like it's just what will change around that you know we matt talks logistics you know we both kind of mentioned how long it takes people to get moving in the same direction right um and that's a an interesting one to me the how all of that comes together and and how we have enough conversation to make sure we all understand what that thing is yeah yeah yeah. so uh anything else stick out in that uh brief first interview that we had with Seebeck? I I just like that he can casually come over and talk to us about it. You know, like, uh, I mean, he showed up with, like, an entourage of city people. I mean, uh, I think Vin was there, Sam was there, a whole bunch of guys, and from across the parking lot, he just saw us and, and moseyed over and, you know, gave us time of day, which continues to, you know, I, I think make their case that they understand the people's importance to the game. Uh, the one thing I always heard him saying, uh, the word that always stuck out to me, whether it was at the fan council or whether uh, it was in that little interview spot that he gave us at Soccer Park, is his use of the term uh, choreography. Uh, that's not something that we've ever really done in the corner at Section 8 or as a part of the Luligans that I'm aware of. We, we don't like link arms and dance up or anything. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering what choreography might mean 
to him or if we try and integrate something like that, what that means to us, or even if we want that to be what we do. Yeah, I, uh, I think that ties perfectly back into kind of what, what Matt and Zach touched on of like, it takes a long time to get people moving. I mean, it's it's literally herding cats, uh, you know, trying to get everyone going. And, you know, the, the St. Louis FC era and, and some of those casual games and, and the 100 degree days, like, I mean, we could go in at this time, we could go in at that time, we'll kind of play it by ear, like, as long as we get there, like, whatever. Uh, you know, I think we're going to lose a degree of that flexibility. And I, th- I think that's just because the scope of everything is so much bigger now. You know, it's not... A, a first year USL club or a second year USL club or hey they're gonna fold eventually because there's an MLS team right like this is the MLS team and and outward facing I mean that's the top tier of what we've got yeah we're, we're probably looking at things like having game day broadcast producers wondering when we're going to be trying to do our march in so they can get cameras on us so they can get microphones pointed right. at the drums uh, so that they aren't pointing stadium inside cameras at an empty fan section uh, when the national anthem's still going off or something like that. Uh, so maybe that's the choreography. Or uh, maybe it's like in, uh, we'll, we'll tease my segment coming up here in a little bit, like what the Atlanta fans are doing down there at their home games. Yeah, I, I, in my head, it's kind of the fancy corporate speak for how we put it all together is, you know, what he's going with with choreography. But um you know, I don't know. He, look, the man's got a fancy haircut. He might expect us to fucking dance together. I don't really know. Um, Isn't that what everybody wants? Last I heard, all thousand people wanted to dance with somebody. We'll come. We'll come back to that too. Are we getting uh, polls installed in the, the supporters <laughs> end section? Is that what we're doing now? Wow, that went a different way than I expected. <laughs> but I mean, I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> more spectacle. We'll just uh, we'll get Ale- uh, Alexis Tucci to come in and uh, uh, design the fan section, and you'll have all kinds of circus acts and and whatnot, fire spinners and and that kind of stuff. If you've never been to a Night Chaser event, check out Alexis Tucci and Night Chaser. I'll give her a free plug because I love her stuff. Um, anywho, uh, so that all of that is is kind of what we talk about when we talk about how hard all of this planning is going to be you know when do we have to be somewhere is there an expectation of where we will be at a certain time how do we get if everyone isn't all at schlafly how do we get us all to where we need to be at the right time you know that that kind of stuff it's just you know we've never had to deal with that because we all came from the back of the parking lot (laughs) so it's going to definitely be a different experience than what we've dealt with before so um speaking of mls experiences then uh do we want to go into uh i don't know what are we calling this do you have a segment name rick uh i i do not have a segment name for this uh this is just my contribution to the show i guess uh just watching MLS games or maybe if something more interesting from Europe or somewhere else in the world picks Rick's my interest. Recap. <laughs> I hate it. Thank you. The Rick's cap. Uh, but yeah, uh, this game's like a week and a half old at this point because we've been on multiple delays, I think, on getting this episode recorded. So I if uh, I get it. I missed Tuesday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sam's an asshole. Wait, what? Uh, but yeah, I recently watched through a, a Nashville at Atlanta home game. Uh, 
two fairly new clubs. I was excited to see, especially since they're, you know, regional, regional proximity to each other, potential big rivalry match, uh, see what was going on. Uh, and uh, I really watched these games more with like trying to, to figure out what the, the supporters groups are doing, how they're interacting with the game, how they're interacting with the stadium. Um, and like, I, I, uh, I don't like bashing on other supporters groups, but the Atlanta sound did not translate, I think, onto the TV very well. Uh, they had a lot of really cool visual stuff going on. Uh, like they had five war drum grade things set up, just massive concert-sized bass drums, similarly designed uh, drum heads, lights inside the drums. It looked like a, uh, a bigger version of some of the stuff that we were trying to get set up in the corner there. Um, but their actual chant work at times left me kind of confused. They, I think they were up by like a goal, maybe two goals late in the first half. And like at the 41st minute, they started dropping the Viking clap in, which seemed like the weirdest timing to me when you're trying to kind of put the first half away, uh, maybe score that game breaking goal and end it before halftime. Uh, just such a slow and halting and static chant. It doesn't really go anywhere for such a long time. And that was one of the things that really bothered me about I, their sound. I will say that it is a great chant to kill time. Yes. And there has been times, we talked about this on the first episode, there have been times where we just needed a chant that would chunk out some time. You know, maybe we're cycling through them too quickly and we just need to slow down the pace. But usually not, to, to Rick's point, not at the 41st minute. Like, at, at a point where you're at five minutes left to go, I feel like you're always trying to push your team because that tends to be when stuff happens. Especially towards the end of the St. Louis FC days, I feel like we kind of dedicated the last five minutes and stoppage time of each half to something kind of upbeat and pointed at our yeah. players like, no, we you, love you. You're right, you're right. Uh, and we really wanted to end each half or end each game feeling like we were pushing our players into the final. Yeah, and the the chant itself is is it's kind of... It's awkward for me, uh, you know, flashback to the women's game, uh, the last women's game at Bush, and uh, Donald, awesome guy, huge guy in AO, uh, recently got a ton of recognition for it, uh, was kind of helping, you know, cycle through some of the AO chants, and, and that was the one they wanted to do, and I thump, thump, how long do I wait? Uh, you know, it carries well, because it's very simple and everybody does it, but it's just a... It feels awkward to do, and I, I don't know how else to explain it. It also very clearly, at least to me, came from like Iceland in the World Cup or the Euros or whatever run they made. Permanently related to, yeah, yeah, always. And it just is always. I like. I get it. Someone made it famous. Everyone knows it. It's easy to get people to do all at one time. That's the half of our job. So. In that way, I totally get it. But at the same time, it like to me, it's a good one at the 10th minute when you need to get everybody on your side, get everyone doing the same thing, kind of basically teach people who aren't familiar with what we're doing how to participate. Like, it, it feels very functionally similar to Meet Me in St. Louis. 
uh, as as far as like achieving those goals. It it eats up a lot of time. It can get people on board. We're saying these uh, chant words nice and slow. People can pick it up on the first two or three down tempo repetitions, and then that third or fourth time through, we're up to speed and we're going along for a moment. Yeah, and I and those anything where we really slow it down, we're basically training wheels. Our crowd. I mean. Um, Sam always really liked how the Cauldron did a win the Saints, the everyone's version of you know a win the Saints, um, because they start super super slow and it's almost ballady, and then they build it and they build it and they build it, and I dig that. Like I dig the idea of again, you're kind of teaching people the chant, you're going slow, you're setting a mood, but then you're building to a pitch. Like you know at the beginning of it even if it's not a super fast chant, we know what's coming. And anybody who's heard them more than once is going to know what's coming. They know the the wall of sound that's going to eventually come out of it. So, again, I think it's... I, I do kind of call those training wheel chants. Like, I think the the Viking clap and, and those types of things are the things you put out there just so people understand what we're doing. Yeah, we're going to have new people at every game. We should have things that are accessible that the new people... Yeah, I agree with that. Well, and so that's why I always loved our fork clap chant because it was so silly. Uh, in our uh, history, in our blood? Clap, 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 clap? Yeah. Or, or are you talking about do, 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 do? So we do that one, um, but then we also do the clap, clap, clap where we actually say clap instead of clapping. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Which is very much a Luligan thing to do. <laughs> yes. Because on the chant sheet, when we were originally trying to record chants so we could get them out to people so they knew what to do on the first time, we just had clap, 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 clap written on the paper. And mm-hmm. so everyone, you know, doing the Leslie Nielsen as a group, uh, just said clap, 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 clap. Uh, and it kind of stuck that we can clap if you want to, but you must say the word clap. And that is very much a luligan silliness. Like, that's one of those things I kind of hope sticks around, which, again, we'll kind of come back to those types of things later. But I hope that silliness sticks in it. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, we were coming into halftime of the Atlanta game. Right. <laughs> uh, nailed it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the Atlanta game... Uh, what did I want to talk about in that second half? Uh, felt really repetitive, and maybe this is a bias thing. Uh, like, it felt like the Atlanta fans had about three or four actual different chants, uh, and they just kind of did chant A, then chant B, then chant C, then chant D, and repeated that, and managed to go through all four of their chants about six or seven times each during the course of the game. And, uh, you know, uh, it's easy for me to critique that from this side. It'd be easy for anybody to critique that, but is is that something that we as a drum section or as a supporter group have fallen into more often than we'd like to admit? Oh, we've been huh? there. Yeah, I mean... We've definitely been there. For sure. We we have gotten to points where we just went to the ones that we knew would work because we knew they would work. Fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the... You know, oh, 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 that people will get behind that chant. It doesn't matter if you did it three minutes ago. It doesn't matter if we've been doing it for five minutes. You drop out and get the crowd to do it. You're always going to get response with it. Yeah, I mean, we also had some games where, 
like key crowd members were not there. You know, your Jeff Akins and then the people who are up there above you really chipping in. And, yeah. and it, you know, we had to shorten the set list to simpler chance, you yes. know, because of that. So, yeah, I, I don't like doing it, but I, I do think we've, we've done it our fair share of times. But the thing that we've been able to do in those times where we didn't have the backup, let's say, is that we've been able to jam. We've been able to, yeah. you know, go in and just do 80 songs or find something or whatever. And that's something that I hope we can continue to do, but will be manu- monumentally harder on a big scale. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, you're going to be able to fill uh, several minutes by just dropping some Fujis anymore. No, no. And that's... Uh, Jake stabbed me in the back, I think, on that one. But uh, <laughs> I honestly did that chant, one, because I love the, the breakdown of that song, but also just because I felt like, what else were we doing? Like, you know, nobody else wanted to do a thing, so it was another thing that would kill four minutes. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it, it gave everybody else a break, and I would just be an a hole and sing the Fujis. So, um, or Roberta Flack. It's Roberta Flack until we get to the, the bridge. Um, so then, um, did you figure out what that last thing was, Rick? You were scanning hard there. Uh, I was trying to remember if there was anything like unique about the game. I mean, it was an exciting 2 2 draw. Atlanta went up 2 nothing. Nashville managed to, to bring it back into level, and uh, it. It was watching the game and imagining myself as an Atlanta fan. It felt a lot like being a St. Louis FC fan again. Uh, and in that, you know, blowing a, a what seems like an insurmountable lead against a team that you really should just be kicking the snot out of. Um, and seeing how the fans reacted to going from three points to one over the course of what really felt like about 15 minutes at the end of the game, going from kind of drunk and comfortable and happy to kind of scrambling to try and build back some stadium atmosphere and keep a game from slipping away. Like, I remember that confusion and that frustration and that anger. Uh, we were it's a weird game? place. It happened once or twice. <laughs> right? No, we definitely blew leads for sure. Yeah, we, we liked to score early and we didn't score often. Yes. Yeah, we, we tended to score in the first 30 yeah, seconds or a minute uh, of a game. Dave Corbett. I'll never forget how many times in a single season he got to say uh, we snatched a draw from the jaws of victory. Absolutely. If you get random background noise uh, and we are in a different recording locale, we have more dogs than we normally have. So you're probably going to hear a dog or a chair in the background. So. Pet friendly recording studio. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. We are all about dogs. Um, cool. So. Uh, I have more. Oh, we're going to talk USA Mexico. Um, so, what'd you boys think of the USA Mexico game? The replay and the highlight reel was exciting to watch for the fifteen or twenty minutes that that stretched on. Uh, yeah. So, I didn't watch the game because I had something else going on. But I gotta say, when I went to go see the highlights through official channels and other, you know, social media pages. I saw the sergeant headball off the goal line more than I saw anything else combined. Uh, so I couldn't actually tell you if it was a good goal or not, but I can tell you that the kid's head saved a goal. 
Yeah. I I want to celebrate Josh Sargent for something other than his defensive work. Uh, and again, we're not a soccer podcast or a soccer news podcast, so um, it's not really uh, what I'm <laughs> hoping to talk about on that game. But um, yeah, no, I I totally agree. Josh Sargent saved a goal um, on the whole beyond that saving of a goal. St. Louis didn't show super well <laughs> in that game. Um, but um, let's talk a little bit about fandom in that game. Uh did they show in those extended highlights the melee that happened with uh, with all of the bottle throwing and all of that? It did. Yeah, I did see that in the corner. Yeah. Uh, and that's really just, uh, I guess, housekeeping. Very, very early housekeeping. Uh, it's never okay to throw something on the field. Ever. Just don't ever, ever throw something on a soccer field or any field unless someone explicitly asks you to do it. And they're not going to do that because that's stupid. So um, just don't. What? I was just thinking, so... Uh, Hat tricks? Oh, that makes two. No, the okay. other one I was going to say was a teddy bear toss. Yeah. So in, yeah. You know, in the, the OHL and... Yeah. And if if the, if it is a, a teddy bear and there is a designated time to throw it, I guess we can make that exception. Other than that, there's never any reason to throw something onto the a, a live field of play or throw something at a player. Just don't do it. Trash goes in a trash can. Like they're they're still professionals doing a job out there. Whether you're amused or not does not fucking enter into it. Right. Yeah. Be I'm a not, grown up. I'm not gonna walk out onto the uh, the floor of. Uh our office building and, and somebody has a, a, a bad call, you know, w- with a client, I'm not going to walk out and, and huck my Gatorade at them. If any of us go to a concert, we're not just going to walk up on stage, boot a guitarist or a drummer out of the way and take their spot in yeah, the band. Like we've seen some bad live shows together. You and I, uh, but it been to, I've been in them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick's like, I, I was on the stage. <laughs> like I fucked up tracks. <laughs> I might have been at that one. No, uh, <laughs> almost certainly. It's interesting, you know. If you expand it outside of soccer, though, it. I don't know if it's happening more or just because everything's opening back up and and everyone's just excited for fans to be there. But it seems like a, across the board, people have kind of tried to make it okay to just throw shit around. I mean, in the NBA, they're throwing popcorn, which, like, at the end of the day, one, you're an asshole for throwing things, but two, popcorn, really? I mean, and they're losing. Uh, well, I guess everybody's losing, because that's like a, like, per piece of popcorn, you're paying, like, 25 cents, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting more people. True. You know, than anything, but... You all know, that it, butter it, getting everywhere? Ugh. Yeah. It's just stuff being thrown all over the place. You yeah. know, it's happening in, in every sport, so I know it always happens, but I'm Part of me has to wonder, is it happening at an, an advanced rate? And is it because most of us have spent the last year and change away from live events? I mean, that's definitely possible. I mean, we've always had, and I think we tried to root it out quite a bit at St. Louis FC, but in the very beginning, we had a lot of problem with beer throwing. You know, we would score and a, everyone's beer would end up in the air. Um, and that's aggravating because uh, I don't drink for the most part. 
and uh, I don't like getting yeah. covered in other people's well, beer. We had to clean off every single drum when we got home, and I was like, it's already like 11 o'clock, and I hurt all over. I don't want to drop your beer. Not to mention, it off. like nobody wants to go home from an athletic event like that, possibly with a few drinks in, get stopped along the way, and be covered in stale beer. Well, and that's like what you're I'm just saying. putting your your fellow supporters at risk when you do shit like that. Yeah, I mean, and I. I, I don't drink, so it's going to be that much harder for me when I stink of beer yeah. to be like, oh, I haven't had anything to drink, sir. <laughs> well, you smell like a brewery. Yeah, I understand. I'm the drummer for the soccer section. They don't care. They, you know, Somebody threw their $8 beer on me. It's yeah. the 28th, and they got to meet their quota that the department yeah. definitely didn't implement. <laughs> let's yeah, not, let's not get into... Uh, we, yeah, we have Luligan cops. I'll, I will try and do my best to stay impartial. But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, yeah. It, throwing stuff on the field, you know, it looks like they threw whatever they had, yeah. they threw at, at the players. Yeah, and I just, I just want to reiterate, it's never, no matter where you are, no matter what game it is, it's just not okay. Like, just don't do it. Um, I think we had one or two instances where someone threw something from our section or our section adjacent and we dealt with it. And that's coming back into a couple of the things that have happened recently. If you see something, say something to that person, to a security guard, to whatever, um, see something, say something, Mm -hmm. do something about it. Um, because yeah, we, we don't, we don't tolerate throwing things, but we also don't tolerate uh, homophobic slurs or you know racist chants or anything like that. We just yeah. don't accept it. Well, it it helps because we also you know designate a bunch of game day captains. Uh, Sarah is by far the most intimidating of all of them, so she's very clearly at the top of the list. Uh, you know, Malia and there's a whole hand handful of them whose sole job is to be, uh, you know, a mandated reporter and, and somebody who can handle you know, what's going on. And we put those people all over the place because the sooner we shut it down, you know, the less we have to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's worth keeping in mind as well, uh, especially as we get into actual major league games and we're in major league uh, stadiums, there will always be a camera pointed at us. Always. Even if it's not going through the live feed, it will capture the dumb shit that collectively we do. And if we do something really dumb, that footage is still going to exist. That audio is still going to exist. And it's going to go out in the world. Absolutely. And and we just, so many of us have worked so many yeah. really crazy, you know, long hours to, to try and build and, and make what we're trying to do here. And we don't want you throwing your Bud Light at somebody to cost us all of that. Yeah. So. You know, and uh, it's really hard once that impression it gets out it's really hard to shake that you know if you're a supporters group and you show up to a game and you're just a bunch of dicks i'm not going to name names fountain city ultras in kansas city uh-huh. uh you're forever going to be pieces of shit we i mean the Lugans, and i don't know that either one of you were really here i don't think either one of you were really here during the the lions days where we had heard to the stories, yeah, yeah. where we had to fully rehab who we were from the time the Lions ended to the time St. Louis FC. Like we asked a couple people not to come back as much because we couldn't continue to be that. Um, so it we have to be conscious of of the the image that we're putting out and and who we are because again we have. 
the group that just started up, the Thieves, uh, Nancy and Sarah, um, who Sam just mentioned as our game day captains, and I think Nancy is another one of our game day captains, they want to make sure that everybody feels uh, included and, and, you know, welcome in the section. And so that's a big part of what they do. And so those people are going to continue to exist in what we do because it makes it so that everybody can feel safe and, and you know, those types of things. So we want you to come hang out, but we don't want you to, to endanger a player. We don't want you to make somebody else feel like they're not welcome in our section. Um, so the whole point is that we want everybody, but only if you can behave. Yeah, rule three is kind of a two-way street. It's encouraged for you to have fun, but don't let your fun ruin everybody else's fun. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's just be cool and everybody have a good time and don't throw shit on the field. All right, so we have talked about USA. We've talked about Mexico. So let's, uh, you guys want to do a Twitter poll? Let's do a Twitter poll. Let's talk a Twitter poll. I love polls. <laughs> Man, Rick is, Rick is poll happy today. I don't know if that's the way I wanted to say that, but it is the so way I said it. So at the next fan council, do you want us to take a poll about uh, your uh, poll? Uh, 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 take a poll, poll. Oh, God. I think the best we could probably do is a rope from the second row up to the TIFO hooks. All right. So our first question that we originally asked all the way back on June 8th, um, we asked, uh, do you have any questions, comments, things uh, that you want to talk about? And we had responses to this, and I've somehow lost them because I'm bad at stuff. Uh, that's Leader Jake's question. That's a great question, but it's not the one I'm looking for. Great question, Jake. Glad we could get that answered for <laughs> you. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, crack an egg. Here we go. Um, Chris, our buddy Chris Dolemeyer, asked, Who has the sousaphone, and how is practice with it coming along? I have it, and it is going exactly as well as it was the last day that I played the sousaphone, um, I think the first game of the St. Louis FC final season. So um, I have not practiced a lot, Chris, but I'm getting there. I actually have talked to Melissa about practicing it, and she's banned me from doing it anywhere near the house because she doesn't want to be known as the guy, uh, the person who lives with the guy who walks around playing the sousaphone because she won't let me play it in the house. No, just go to the farthest room of the basement and shut the door. You don't understand how our house works. And then shut the other door. Yeah. Right. Well, we have a basement. Feel free. I I don't think your wife agreed to any part of that. No, it's on the podcast, Souther. <laughs> just because it's on the podcast doesn't mean that she automatically agrees with it. All right. Um, so that that is a quick, easy answer. Uh, this is silly. Asked us. Um, obviously, it's changed over the years, but are there pros and con- uh, and there are pros and cons. But do the couple of seasons in limbo set you back, or are you enjoying the calm before the storm of MLS? I personally am enjoying this. I think having a few summers to rehydrate, uh, get back realigned and able to carry a drum in a safe way again um i I did it for a long time and then shut up uh and uh and and i'm looking forward to be able to you know get back into the chiropractor's office regularly and have my spine point the right direction right on sam uh yeah i mean pros and cons for sure uh the pro is that uh the reset is nice because it really Home opener, bam, you're there, full send, everything you got built by mid-season. 
you really start to feel like it's a job more than it's fun. Uh, and it's been nice to just be a part of everything conversationally and, and have a dialogue versus every Saturday you show up and you play it all your arms fall off. I think that to me, that's been nice. Uh, you know, and there's something super positive to look forward to, which also kind of helps keep it going. We've started this conversation. The club has started conversations. The club and us have been having conversations. Uh, and I, I think that's a huge pro. Uh, the con is the next time I pick up a drum, which, uh, by the time this airs will have already happened. Uh, I'm dreading how I feel the next morning. Yeah, I totally totally understand that and i'm almost glad that i have to go to this wedding tomorrow and don't have to have my hands hurt for the rest of the next week um but i agree with you that it's been nice to have time off but at the same time i want to be at soccer park on saturdays and playing drums and being around my friends and having reasons to go out and do things I have plenty of things to go do. Not like my social calendar isn't uh, random and, and full, but it just, I want to go to soccer. And like we we kind of had a, a conversation earlier about it's it's not our team. Like it's still the same place with the same looking kits and all of that, but it's not our team. It doesn't have the same weight it doesn't have the same feeling so it it's good to go back it's nice to hang out with people but it's not what it was so um and i miss the possibility of selling that out every game up until mls happened and rocking out with that many people and getting people on board instead of having to talk to them about it just showing them what we do like I hate that I don't get to be there on Saturday because it's part of what I enjoy doing and I want to be out and, and, you know, doing those things with everybody else. So I have the serious FOMO on the other side. Um, And kind of like esoteric FOMO of like what we could have had had we been able to write it, you know, all the way into MLS. But, you know, we see what Cincinnati did, so maybe it's not a great way to go. Um... Pat Houlihan asked us, thoughts on the rest of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, including Trinidad and Tobago already being eliminated in Group F. Has anyone paid any attention to World Cup qualifying? When's that? (laughs) I'm sorry, Pat, as I told you as our response on there. I I think we owe Pat a little bit of an answer. Uh, I think if Trinidad and Tobago is the team that you're the most concerned about in any perspective of a league, then maybe you're not. I mean, there. You're they not beat us yet. last year. Like, well, I mean, we were a bad team, yeah. and we've been a bad team every every other time. I mean, we won the Nash, uh, Nations League, whatever the hell that thing was called, uh, against Mexico. So that was a... That was a thing where we're victorious. We're better than Mexico, right? We, we did a thing. I think Mexico was worse than us. That is a good possibility. Honestly, Evan Hovarth uh, is the... the. Honestly, I, I don't understand why Zach Steffen gets the props he does because every time I've seen Hovarth play, I've thought he looks like the best goalkeeper we've had for a long time. 
and then Zach Steffen keeps getting picked first. But Steffen plays for Man City. Does he play? He's but Steffen has a kit for Man City. <laughs> what what did Zach Steffen do besides give Chelsea the FA Cup or the FA Cup final berth that we then threw away? Uh, because that's literally the only thing I remember Zach Steffen doing in a Manchester City kit. That's fair. So I'll, g- I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, so the one time I remember Zach Steffen playing for Manchester City, again, no disrespect. He's a professional footballer who has made it to Manchester City, uh, and I'm a guy who has a podcast that 12 people listen to. So, um, But, yeah, I, I just think Hobarth should have gotten a shot to be our number one from the beginning, and I think Zach Steffen – has the jersey because he has a Manchester City jersey and maybe not because he's our best goalkeeper. So, my personal opinion. But, again, uh, we're not a soccer news podcast and none of us really know that terribly much about soccer. As, uh, you know, I'm I'm not Stuart Holtgren or uh, who's uh, Phil, Phil Grooms. Not Phil Grooms. That dude knows a shitload about soccer. Uh, and I do not. Um, Jake wants to know, and this is, kind of leading into our other question what chance are you excited to retire with the end of st louis fc era and which ones will you regret to retire do i need to say it i don't have to say it you guys already know what i'm thinking right so um yeah but the viewers at home can't hear Uh, the viewers here's here's the thing we see somebody else already said it i want to say a trokey i want to say jake trokey jumped in on it first first and threw out uh dance with somebody uh, and that was after all the hard work that I had done to convince Sam that Dance with Somebody wasn't that bad. And I don't remember <laughs> how I did it, but I got him on my side for like five minutes. I think you just looked at, you would look at me during a game and just start playing it. And I would just shrug my, like, oh, here we fucking go. I, I think more recently it was just that I, I convinced you that it was basically Our Sweet Caroline. And that it was just a song that everybody knew and would sing drunkenly. So that's why it was a good chant. It wasn't a good chant because it was good for us or because, you know, it was a time, a period of time because we needed anything to smile about. And so we did it for a couple seasons and it became a, tr- a scarf. And then again, we jumped that scarf, uh, that <laughs> jumped that scarf shark uh, and got past it. So, um Jake's nomination was, as we already talked about, Killing Me Softly. Um, And I took that as a personal affront. Jake, you hurt me. Why did you hurt me? Um, But let's see what other people had to say. Um, So, yeah, Jake Trokey said, not a chance, but dance with somebody uh, can fuck right off. Uh, Steve Rusnak, and this is another one that came up. Uh, oh, Will Bramlett started it first. I'm uh, sure this will get some flack, but um, how Gloria was the 2019 Blues thing, Shalala should be a St. Louis FC thing. This one was tough for me. Still real tough for me. I see both sides. Uh, I think he's right. I think it brought a little bit of magic to the St. Louis FC era. Uh, and I would be 100% okay with putting it in the archive where only the people who lived through it can enjoy it if we have something to replace it. Because the the whole point of that is we won a fucking game and that was huge and everybody's excited and the team is excited and everyone's a part of it. So as long as there's something to replace that, I'm all here for it. Uh, I personally would like to see it go. 
uh, shut it down, retire it, put the locking key on it. Um, partly because it was the victory song for a team that could barely ever win a game. And also we never figured out how to get that damn chant right. It was the most exciting thing we had and everybody had a different idea of how we wanted to perform it, how we wanted to, to put it out into the world. And we never in the two and a half, three years that we trotted it out, not that we got much practice with it, but we never fully figured out, are we going up tempo second time, third time, first time, sometimes even? I think it was always third time because first one was basically just Sam and all the drunk people singing faster than Sam. Then the second time was Sam a little bit more deliberately <laughs> singing it more deliberate and uh, a little bit faster. And then somebody would have inevitably start offbeat on the boards. So then I would start to correct them. Uh, and then we would go on three. But to your point, it's a chant that we never had control of. That's true. Like yeah, yeah. We didn't start it. We had no control of the speed. We were basing it off of somebody who was on the field. And again, the way sound travels, that's always going to put us at a slight disadvantage too and lots of drunk people yeah the, there's just so many cards stacked against it uh like musically it it always hurt yeah. now devil's advocate if we get rid of this chant because it's tied to something else how many other chants does that open the door to say well that chant's from so and so yes so that is definitely a, a question i think the reason I get behind it dying with St. Louis FC is because it was so very specific to a player and then a tradition that we started for them that like it was kind of our thing. And I don't in a selfish kind of way, don't want everyone else who didn't come out to appreciate it, get to appreciate it. But at the same time, like I think it would be a good chant to put into rotation like it would be a great chant to get people going if we could control it and start, yeah, you know, with a real slow beat. It, and it'd build be a it. good uh, half opener, open yeah, the second I, half with it, especially yeah, I, if I they're coming like our direction. The sixty minute, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of a thing. I I could see doing that, and and that way the the piece of it that's always going to be associated with the St. Louis FC victory song we all get to keep that. As being a part of that, we get to keep that. Yeah. And now we've just taken a piece of St. Louis soccer and brought it into this new yeah. era. Yeah, and I think you know maybe that's it, or maybe it's uh, like at the 70th minute, which would have been final, uh, you know, last call for the game or something. You know, that's our, yeah. um, our nod as we can't have beer anymore to, to pour one out for the homie. Uh, and... Uh, but I don't know. You know, it's. I respect that it could, and there's a good argument that it should die with St. Louis FC, and I'm not against it. But I also, it's such a useful chant, and it's such a good chant that I think done right, done with the war drum starting it, kind of our version of the Viking clap type of thing where we could really, you know, like slow Viking roll that out could be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um. that's another weird thing. Uh, I was just thinking about the, the parallel between uh, Shalala and the Viking chant, because at least me personally, 
uh, I associate that with kind of a world cultures. Uh, we associate Viking chant, as we said earlier, with Iceland, Scandinavian nations, that part of the world. Uh, because of when Shalala entered into our rotation, I always associate it with kind of that southeastern, uh, what is that, Balkan well, states well, so kind this of is, part yeah. of the world? So this is the one that Sarah, she chimed in here and it said it originated from Mirko. Um, and it was... Um, yeah, it was something that he wanted... Uh, like he always wanted to play for a club that did that and in their Rosenborg. Yeah. And in, in the, just the conversations, which you could do an entire podcast on the relationship between Sarah and Mirko. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he had said to her and she brought it to him like, yeah, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. I just, and, and like I said, it, it, somebody just posted that Lindenwood footage again, you know, another, angle of it it was only like 12 seconds but killer it was a great 12 seconds yeah, like it was right into the right at the end of one you know run and right into the second uh full mm -hmm. bore one and it was it was a bunch of fun um and just one of those clips that will always always give me chills because i've got the video of melissa recording directly behind my head uh you know from that so anytime i forget what it was actually like to be there i could literally just sit there and look at the delight on everyone's face as we're uh, screaming that we beat the Chicago fire. So um, Joe Chambers is trying to start a fight with Sam because he said just let me stop you right there. <laughs> Are you agreeing with him? No, the oh. answer is absolutely not. I was oh. I was the one who wanted this back in the rotation because yeah. it's fun to do. So I He's going with it's a, a Celtic song. He puts it as akin to "You'll Never Walk Alone." I can't really see it the same as "You'll Never Walk Alone" because "You'll Never Walk Alone" is objectively a terrible, boring song. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna say terrible. It's a boring, not football chanty song. So, as someone who knows absolutely nothing about it, other than it's got initials and it seems to be like the thing that bonds people, like. I, I think I, I can't even make the comparison I was going to without accidentally offending several people. And Karen could probably kick my oh, ass. Oh, I'm so. sure I, I've already offended every single Liverpool fan. Uh, but was You'll Never Walk Alone a, a pop song yes. before it was oh, yeah, a Liverpool yeah, yeah. song? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's one of those songs that it can't just be Celtic because Liverpool do it. And it can't because it's not even them. Like there are like five other clubs that also do. You'll never walk alone. So any chant that you do will already be somebody else's chant. I don't know how many people do a Britney Spears chant. I may have started that one <laughs> <laughs> or a, uh, an outcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the outcast chant proved why nobody does the outcast chant because <laughs> trying to get anybody to do a drop rhythm uh in <laughs> with a whole bunch of people uh yeah just unless you've got musicians it's probably not gonna work it's the same reason africa is always going to fail please don't suggest africa <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah africa is a, a terrible song to make a chant with a soccer chant with it's a fun song just a, not a good soccer chant um so, yeah, I, I can't disagree with Joe enough that I think that just can't get enough if we can get people to do it is just such a fun chant. Yeah, and that's why I think it, we can never get rid of it. So 
there are points in that chant where nobody says the lyrics, and that's fine. That's going to happen for the entire game. I don't really care. But when you get into the part as it builds, and we fall in love, and they just can't get enough, and it just goes, everybody's like, oh, shit, I know these fucking words. I'm doing this. Yeah, because it's a song without lyrics. Like, there's uh, quite a few different musician composition, like, weird youtube groups that popped up in like the mid 2000s and one of them did a a song that i can never get out of my head which is all the songs without lyrics Mm -hmm. and i legitimately every once in a while will go back through and listen to that to figure out what songs we could do that don't have lyrics like if i could figure out how to write a fucking crocodile rock song uh that worked for st louis city i would absolutely do it so we could go da I'll raise a flag I, to that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. All like, for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why I want to do uh, "Shut Up, Push It," so we can all do. Bum, ba, dun, 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 yeah, no, I, I, you're gotta absolutely get the tube right. out for that one. Exactly. Like it's, it's built for the tube and a, and a trumpet. So yeah, and and people, it pulls you in. Right. It's like there's like 15 songs that you're gonna play towards the end of the night at a bar. Exactly. And it pulls everybody back in. And this is one of those songs. And people are jumping, and it's just do, 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 do. And arms are going, and scarves are going, and I, I don't care who did it first. Yeah. I'm not getting rid of it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, those songs, Sweet Caroline, you know, those types of songs, those are what make good soccer chants. So, now, they don't all work because the part of it that would make a soccer chant sometimes has way too many words or, you know, the to get into the... The doot doos, you need to have the, the lead up, and it doesn't work without it. But, you know, if you think you've got one, send it over. Uh, we'll gladly talk to you about it. Uh, Malia talks about one that I think we already talked about at one point, uh, Mickey Mouse Club chant. Um, it's a fun chant. It's super clever, I think. Just too clever. It's never It's, <laughs> it's never too complicated. I don't think I've heard it attempted since 2018. Yeah, we. anytime anybody suggested it, I would play it because I would be able to get through it at least twice and then we could stop playing it. Um, and I, again, I think it's a fun chant, uh, but it, it just, you're never going to get enough people to do it. It's, it's just, it's not a cool enough chant. It doesn't, uh, doesn't work. It's not hip. It's not what the kids want. <laughs> it's not hip. It's not with it. Um, so Jake from State Farms, Jake Trokey again, um, suggested that this is not a chant, but something that he would like to see stop, uh, a screaming blues at the end of the anthem, wrong sport, wrong team, save it for the blues game. If it must be done. If a podcast had a like button, I would be slamming it right now. I mean, I, I did like it. So this podcast has <laughs> liked that idea. I, I love the enthusiasm, and I totally get where people are with it. And I would say almost every, and enough of them that I would go ahead and say every single Luligan is as big of a Blues fan or bigger than they are were a St. Louis FC fan or a St. Louis soccer fan. I'm the outlier. <laughs> but uh, it is it is, I think it is stupid and it needs to go. It was cool, like the couple nights when... You know, we were playing and the Blues had a playoff game that night or something and, and people were spreading streams around and keeping notes of scores and everything. Uh, you know, that was a 
a very cool shout out to do during those games. Uh, like I made the mistake of wearing my blues jersey to a game on on one Saturday night, and it was ninety seven degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they you call know, those sweaters for a reason. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Since I already broke you, uh, do you also spread streams around on your only Sam's? I, I do, yeah, but o- that's no, that's only for the platinum tier subscribers. So, man, you got so many tiers in your only Sam's. I can't, I can't give this away, man. I mean, I, I could. There's a demand. I'm not saying I can't. Uh, but, but no, I, I agree. I think it should stay in hockey. Uh, there's a time and a place like if the Blues were in a playoff game or a Stanley Cup final, and we were at Soccer Park or something. I totally get that capture that tweet it whatever show support but on a uh, sunday afternoon at two o'clock you don't you don't need that shit yeah i'm I'm with that totally with that all right last suggestion on this on this thread meet me in st louis uh that is uh our buddy jeff jeff says it's not one of his favorites matt baker though oh damn i love this one one i really hope we can carry on both sides of the spectrum. Where do we go? Uh, I would keep it just because it is slow enough that we can eat up a serious chunk of time without really having to to scrape the barrel too much. Uh, I, that's about it. I really honestly felt like we started to get it towards the end. Like it was one of those chants that we struggled with for yeah. three years and never really got well, it. We we made some structural changes to not just the music, but how we went about it and how we rolled it out to people. And after that, it definitely took off. Plus, it's clap heavy and two, three thousand people clapping. Yeah. It's going to look pretty good and sound better. True. Yeah. And again, I think it could be that kind of it's our training wheel chant. It It has some words to it, but hopefully everybody's singing them slow enough and getting the clap in that you can have enough there to get people on board and, and, you know, going along with you. So, um, all right. So that is another tab close. We got yet one more and this one's something maybe we'll kind of leave out there. Maybe we'll kind of come back to this one because we're already pretty close to an hour. So I don't want to drag on too terribly much, but, um, on Twitter today, uh, empire SC brought up something. They said, it's crazy that Austin is charging $73 for an away ticket uh, for fans. Uh, they say it's time for MLS to step up and worth work with SGs on an away travel bill of rights, including standardizing minimum ticket allotment, sale cutoff, banners, flags, instruments, and capping tickets at $20. Hashtag 20 is plenty. So do we want to talk about that now? Do we want to jump deep into that, or we want to kind of leave that out as a, a question to come back to? Uh, this is the first I've heard about it. I do a terrible job of, of tracking our podcast's Twitter feed and what, what, uh, what our elf behind the scenes is doing on the Twitterverse. Uh, so I have no intelligent thoughts or even unintelligent thoughts to contribute right now. I 100% agree with them. And I, I, I think we should throw it out there. You know, there's enough people who listen, you know, with opinions and a bunch of them have traveled and, and we've done enough traveling. I'd be interested to hear and see, you know, the feedback and really, you know, kick this one off after everyone's had some time to marinate on it. But out of the gate, what fucking bullshit are they dealing with? 
Yeah, I I mean that's an Anthony Precourt team. Uh, I will say candidly, fuck Anthony Precourt. Um, that dude uh, was in some way involved with St. Louis at one point and was a dick here, and then went to Columbus and tried to literally steal a, a team from a fan base. Then used the fact that he tried to steal a team from a fan base to get his own team in Austin. Um, and all of that is why I hate MLS. Um, and it's not MLS specific. It could have happened in MLB. It could have happened in NFL. I just don't think that should ever happen. So, uh, but yeah, unequivocally fuck Anthony Precourt and Austin for charging $73 for a, a white ticket. That's just insane. Yeah. If we have uh, any listeners out there who currently or have previously supported an MLS team and traveled as a member of that uh, team supporters group away. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know about your experience. Uh, would you do something similar for a $78 ticket plus online processing fees and travel fees and all that stuff? Yeah, no, I just, I'm, I'm 100% for standardizing what comes, you know, as a, a supporter, what you're allowed to do. Um, and I understand you know, some stadiums will be slightly different, but that should be publicly posted. It shouldn't be a guess on game day what you're allowed to bring in. There shouldn't be a, you know, when we went down to Atlanta for um, the U.S. Open Cup game. Um, well, I don't think any of us went, but the team went. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were told we could bring drums. We were told we could bring all this stuff. And then literally as we were going down there, they called and changed or maybe even didn't call, like emailed us and told us we couldn't bring stuff in. Um, and look, man, we're a lower league team coming to play the, at that point, the uh, MLS Cup champions. Like, come the fuck on. But anyway, um, and honestly, we had drums that game. We might have won that game because uh, Sam Fink almost won us that game like two or three different times. Yeah. Well, and I mean, lower league, upper league, top tier, top, it, it doesn't matter. How much more fun are the games we do that have traveling supporters? And how much more fun are the games that we've traveled to? You know, it's 100% part of the culture, part of the atmosphere, and it, it does nothing but good for the game. But if, you're, if I'm paying $73 and then let's say a $15 convenience fee, that's not a $73 ticket. That's an $88 ticket. And it's, uh, you know, even if your SG is providing a bus down, it's still usually you got to throw in, you know, we were lucky because Kavanaugh and Strunk and all those guys yeah. bought us a lot of buses. Um, but if we didn't, you know, that's 25, 30 bucks that you got to pay to get on the bus plus tip for whatever. I think ours was only we just, you know, brought five or 10 bucks to pay tip. But, um, you know, if you're not doing that, if you're buying a hotel room that night, all of a sudden that's a three four hundred dollar you know away day and that's crazy for some people i mean that's not a a normal fan that can go out and do that and that's not the point you know we want to be able to the luligans have a good tradition of getting on buses and going somewhere in mass we want to be able to do that but we're not going to be able to get people who can pay 75 dollars a ticket it's especially frustrating because a few weeks ago i watched uh, Austin traveled to Colorado for a game and the Austin fans showed up their drum corps, their supporters group, their flag corps, everybody that showed up, made that trip from Austin to Denver, did an amazing job of selling their team in an away venue. I 
could not tell that I was watching a Colorado home game and to hear that the team that sent its fans out so effectively well is trying to stifle a response is, I'll admit, a little bit disheartening. Yeah, and then again, is to say nothing against the uh, Austin fans. The Austin fans had nothing to do with their owner and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. We're yeah, not ragging on fans. I specifically hate pre-court and MLS. Um, well, and yeah, this is that that was a celebration of the fans and a lament at yeah one hundred percent. Well, and if the away team can come in and embarrass the home crowd, then the home crowd has some work to do. But you shouldn't start at a disadvantage because you travel well. I mean, absolutely. Look, look at the Blues games. I couldn't tell you how many Blues Blackhawks games I've gone to where I had to be the guy in a blue sweater standing in a group full of red sweatered assholes, you know. Uh, and have to deal with it. And we're there, and there's chanting. And honestly, most games, you, uh, if you didn't know you were at Keel, Scott Trade, Enterprise, it could go either way, which team's home, which team's away. And that just built the atmosphere. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's why what we do what we do. Um, we've posted it on here, uh, Jason Petrillo's uh, uh, video of us in KC, that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. a team that, you know, those KC St. Louis games should be Cauldron versus Fred or whatever, you know, we end up being called. But those should be very much a shouting match between us and them. And if they ever come to our field and we can hear them, I will personally be angry. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. I don't ever want to be able to hear them if they're in our house. I don't Even ever want to be able to hear anyone in our house. 99 degrees on a Tuesday night and everyone's kids have the most important college entrance exam of their lives tomorrow. Yeah. We should still be louder. Absolutely. So, um, but anyway, I would love to hear feedback on this. Go on to our Show Up Make Noise uh, Twitter account and jump in on what you think about that. Uh, I may be that guy and just go tag a whole bunch of, uh, you know, SGs later on on Twitter and uh, see if anybody will respond, see if anybody will take the bait. But, um, yeah, we'd be really interested to see, you know, we don't have any real clout in any of this because we're not one heads of the Luligans and or, um, you know, actually supporters of a real team. But I do I would love to get involved in whatever that conversation is because again that does directly play back to what we do and what we're yeah. hoping to do in the future. So uh, I don't care if you don't want us to bring drums, just let me know ahead of time so I don't have to pack the damn thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, not take the wind out of the sails, but this would be something really positive for the league as a whole, or even clubs to do on the individual, which makes me concerned that it just won't happen. This, you know could get American soccer supporters culture a huge win on not just a local scale, but like a global scale. And that just makes me feel all the more like it's not something that is achievable. Yeah, that's the old MLS uh, shoot yourself in the foot. Like if it's good for you, they're not going to do it. Uh, but I I don't know, man. I'm, I'm trying to be less pessimistic, Zach. It's basically who I am. But... I'm trying to to not do that, but I'm trying to at least, if there's something that we can do to help make movement on it, that's something I'm interested in doing. Um, and Sam mentioned something I didn't even pull up, but you know, uh, what was it? Black the Black Diamonds, I think. Um, that SG, that um, I think they're 
New Mexico United. Yeah, it's New Mexico. Um, but anyway, they they posted something that we retweeted. Uh, I retweeted. If you want to be know who to be angry at for our Twitter feed, it's me. Um, anyway, they posted something to the effect of um, inclusion, and and it's important for everybody to to feel yeah. safe and heard. Uh, right. They said a lot more, but the gist was rivals in the seats, but allies in the streets. And th- there's no reason for two rival clubs or rival SGs to not get along and be inclusive and supportive of each other. And, you know, outside of, again, the 95 minutes of a soccer game. And you don't have to like them, but we could still work together to do good things. Like, we had a real friendly rivalry with Lou City, and that was a, a good, fun time that we had with them. And I think we were decent friends with some of those people. But also, some of those people we didn't really want to hang out. We didn't want to be friends with, but we did work together to benefit their food bank and our food bank. And we did really great cooperative fundraising things and we both believe in the same kind of inclusion and those types of things besides you know maybe the black sheep or you know whoever uh, their asshole sg was but um you know they've got really great stuff going on we like talking to those guys uh so yeah there's no reason that even your biggest rival you can't still work together to make sure that everyone feels included and that we're building our communities up the right way mm-hmm. and again with the thieves and those types of things that stuff and st louigans we're all trying to do and, and trying to figure out how to walk the walk as much as we talk the talk so if there's a way we can you know, get involved in helping move those conversations forward we'd love to do that so boys anything else any last minute things we have not covered i've got nothing left to add samuel no this was a good energy if it uh it feels good i know uh we had a couple dog noises uh over in the corner she has since left us since we were clearly we must be the three most boring people around i mean my dogs are outside so that's going to be interesting to see what they've gotten into but uh yeah no i think it's good i think we had uh, we actually had a plan this time and it may have showed i think it showed it showed cool well guys we are show up make noise uh show up make noise on twitter show up make noise on instagram uh follow us please like uh subscribe we try not to clutter your feed but we are trying uh, to share stuff that we feel uh, is important and, and we're trying to get conversation started. So we'd love to have you jump in on the conversation. Tell us what you feel about the Fans Bill of Rights. Uh, we'd love to talk about that again next time. Uh, but yeah, uh, until next time, we are Show Up, Make Noise. My name is Zach. My name's Rick. I'm still Sam. We will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.